Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with our co-host, Don Grafham. How are you doing, Don? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. I mean, here's the thing. Here's our underlying belief of why we are doing this podcast. When leaders get better, the church gets better. Of course, there's all kinds of reasons that a church can get better, but the forefront are people, people who will lead the church into the future. And one of those leaders is you, Don. You are truly, truly, and I'm not just saying this, on. one of the finest leaders that I know. So no, why is the know. church so important to you, Don? Well, thanks for that, by the way. But it, it does start in a in a personal spot. Uh, when I was a high school kid, we were that family that just didn't go to church. And one day we were invited to this church outside Chicago. We wandered in and we experienced something we'd never experienced before, Cool auditorium, great music, relevant message. And shortly after, my life was changed by the church, that church. And it changed the trajectory of my life. Fast forward then, I experienced Eagle Brook back in the early 2000s. And right when I walked in, I realized what a relevant place this was for my neighbor, who I was having conversations with about faith. And shortly after that, uh, I came on staff here and said, I want to give my life and career to this kind of place that, that reached somebody like me when I was in high school, that reached my neighbor. And uh, for over 15 years now, I've been on this staff, you know, just trying to give my career and my life to reaching more people for Christ. And so I'm committed to the church, this church, all churches, so that they can reach more people for Christ. Yeah, and what do you do now? And now I get to serve as the executive director of campus ministry, which means I get to oversee all the campus pastors and what they do at the the different locations. So maybe a little bit about you, John, what, what makes you so passionate about the church and, and what do you do here? Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, but I remember making a personal decision to follow Jesus between uh, the summer of my fifth and sixth grade year. And from the moment I made that decision to follow Christ, I had this call or feeling in my life that I wanted to be a part of leading the church. I mean, I remember sixth, seventh, eighth grade being a part of leading youth group in some shape or form all through high school. And that call uh, came back onto my life. Really after college, I pursued some some baseball and played a little bit about uh, baseball there and really felt this sense that I was supposed to be a part of leading the church. I don't know if I would have been able to say, become a pastor, mm -hmm. which is what I am. Um, but I definitely felt this urge, this call to be a part of what God's doing through his church. And so almost 10 years ago, I came on staff at Eagle Brook Church. Uh, today, I'm currently the executive director of Creative Arts. That means I oversee all the production, creative, music, online church. And I just love the church. Of course, I love Jesus. I believe he has the power to change lives. But I love what God can do through the church. I truly believe it has the greatest potential to impact the world. Truly. I've seen it done. Mm -hmm. And when it's operating well, uh, I see the church just have tremendous influence and impact. And I love this church. Of mm -hmm. course, I love all churches, but I love this church. It's not perfect, of course, by any means. But here's the thing about Eaglebrook. When you've gone from a church of 300 people to a church of over 25,000 people, um, which we have in just a few decades here, people will often ask, what's going on? Mm -hmm. What's the secret sauce? So what is it, Don? What would you say? Yeah, yeah, that is a question. If you come on staff, or I think even if you attend Eagle Brook, eventually you'll get that question. I've heard about that church. It's growing. What's happening there? What is the secret sauce? And I've started to answer uh, that question really with three answers. 
number one is God's obviously doing incredible things. Of course. Well beyond what we deserve. Now that sounds like what the pastor is supposed to say, <laughs> a bit of a trite answer. And so I'm almost a little nervous to give that answer, but it's just the truth. Yep. I Absolutely. mean, you and I sit around the leadership team table. We know senior leaders very well, and uh, we all need help. We're all sinners. It's a broken place. And so only God is working through people like us. So clearly this is by God's favor, as you talked about. And so we're just grateful for what God's doing uh, in our church. And then the second thing is we've created invitational weekends. I think when you come and you experience that relevant environment, even like I was talking about earlier, uh, from the lobby experience to the auditorium, to the messages, to the kids spaces, to what's happening Wednesday nights with students. I mean, you can't help but say, you gotta, you gotta come with me. And people just naturally turn around and invite friends to come. It's an invitational weekend. So God's working. It's an invitational weekend. And what what we need to talk about today is this vision culture, yeah. which is this language that we've been using for over a decade to talk about how we are focused as a church, what we're trying to do, why we're trying to do it. And we're going to dive in a little deeper on that today. I believe that's the third biggest reason that we've grown in the way that we have. Of course. Like you said, we could talk all day about God, of course, and we will through these conversations on our podcast. We are going to talk about invitational weekends at some point on one of these episodes, but today we're going to dive deeper into our vision culture. Mm -hmm. So first question for you, Don, why is articulating your organizational vision so important? Yeah. If you think about it, we have, like you said, over, over 25,000 people coming regularly we have hundreds of people, even on staff, thousands of volunteers. How do you get all that aligned? I mean, you have to have something that's not just a, a vision statement, but a vision culture where you're talking about this regularly so that people can all get aligned and on the same page. Uh, think of the power of even a small group of people, a mid-sized group, much less a large group of people. You get them all aligned. Uh, that's going to that's going to help. I mean, that's going to help you to succeed. So alignment's number one. Number two is it just creates this clarity. Sometimes we say it's, let's all sing the same song, even as we spread throughout the Twin Cities and beyond. Let's keep singing the same song so it brings great clarity. And then a third uh, reason I think it's so important is it helps people to really self-select, uh, whether in or out. And so uh, I've now started to go through the interview process with people and I ask them questions like, how well do you know the job? How well do you know our culture? Because I want you to come in with eyes wide open. You know, don't come on our staff unless you really know who we are and what we're trying to do and what the job is, by the way. And so when people do that, uh, then they can say like, yes, that's what I want to be a part of. Or, you know what? Okay, you guys are real serious about this stuff. I don't think I want to be a part of that. And then you have the right people yeah. deciding to come in or maybe not deciding to come in. Right. That's why today's discussion is so important. If we can articulate the vision culture of Eagle Brook Church, our organization will be three things, more aligned, mm -hmm. have greater clarity about the direction we're heading, and it will help people self-select in or out. So why vision culture? I mean, you hit on that for just a second, but why this phrase vision culture? Yeah, I, I think that's an important thing to distinguish right away is just not a, a vision statement or even a mission statement, purpose statement. I think those are all things that most organizations go through. And uh, often you have an executive team that spends a, a day or a retreat away and they think about just the right word and they labor over every every word that's on that that statement where the commas go and they just get it perfect. They put it on a plaque, they put it on a wall. And then before you know it, six months down the road, it just gets dusty. You know, like 
it's just something that doesn't get in their culture. So we've decided to have a little bit more of a robust take on this by answering six different questions that we think really help frame our vision culture, not just a vision statement, but a vision culture, six questions of who, what, where, when, why, and how. And so we want to rattle through those today, answer those questions. And we believe if everybody in our organization, staff, volunteers, even attenders can understand vision culture, we'll have greater alignment, greater clarity. Okay. So to get started, if you can picture this, wherever you're listening, it's a pyramid with six tiers. So maybe you can draw some notes on your notepad that you're taking notes with and unless draw you're that driving. pyramid. Yeah, unless, unless you're, you're driving. driving. You don't yeah. want to do it. No, don't, no, don't pull do over that. and drive. Most people listen to podcasts. Um, we're also going to put this vision culture pyramid on our show notes and link to it later. So let's start with the very bottom. So if you're getting, you're picturing this pyramid at the very bottom of our vision culture, this bottom tier is what? Talk about that first tier, Don. Yes. Uh, the very bottom is perfectly placed there as the foundation. It is our beliefs. And that's really answering the question of who are we? Who are we? And who we are are our beliefs. And you really think about that with any person. The beliefs form who they are. And so we have a doctrine that we follow, which is in line with Converge, used to be the Baptist General Conference. And so uh, we're connected to them and the beliefs that they've stated. There's really nine of them that we would say that we die for. And so those nine beliefs uh, steer everything we do as our belief structure. And we won't get into them very deep right now, but three that are about who God is, three about who really God created us to be and our need for a savior, and then the other three about uh, the church, the Bible, and uh, the return of Christ. Yeah, these are the core yeah. of our faith, Orthodox Christianity. And one of the ways that's helped me think about this tier on our vision culture is we have a target with three rings uh, in that target. And at the very center, we put those nine core beliefs, the nine core beliefs that we would die for, things that are essential to us as a church, things that are unchanging, that we're not going to change. But of course, we have other beliefs, don't we? Yeah. I mean, you only listed nine. We have hundreds of beliefs, but we have decided to not put those in the center of the bullseye. We put those in the next two rings of this bullseye. And the second ring are beliefs that we would defend, but we wouldn't die for them. Right. I mean, we're at our core, our foundation, a Baptist church. So we have beliefs about baptism, but we're still going to put baptism in the defend category because maybe people believe in infant baptism or how often or how we should take communion, things like that. And then the outer ring are even things that we, it's not about caring less about them, but we aren't going to argue about them to any kind of extent. We're going to discuss them. Mm -hmm. We have our opinions, and maybe you and I even, if we really That's boil right. this down, have our opinions, things about like how old the earth truly is, whether you're pre-trib or post-trib, whether you're a Calvinist or Arminian, you know, or the role of free will in our lives, those kind of things. They're all fun topics right. for people who go to seminary and love theology. That's right. <laughs> but they're things that we're just going to put on the outer layer and discuss those. Yeah. So those are our beliefs. Well, let me just say, I mean, what a great tool that is. The die for, defend, discuss, because so many people get so fiery sometimes about they those do. things that are on the outer ring. And you're like, hang on, time out. I love the discussion, but let's remember, it's not a die for topic. Right. Let's The die for topics, yeah, let's get passionate about those. But the other ones, let's enjoy the debate. But there's great scholars on both sides of those. 
uh, especially in that disgust category. And they can cause so much division yes. within and outside the church. That's right. And we've just chosen to put those nine core things in the d- die for category. Yeah, the tool is super helpful, yes. the, yep. the three rings. Yep. yep. Okay, the next is our values. And as I've started to describe this, I really think this is now forming the the thumbprint of who we are as a church. And so it's really answering the questions, who do we want to become? So the beliefs are who we are. Now the values are who we want to become. And so they're establishing behaviors. And those really come out of the out of the early church. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Acts 2.42, all the believers, this is the early church, first century Christianity, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. And we see throughout this community of um, early church followers of, of Jesus that there were these five significant values that they lived out that we want to also model our own lives after. And so those five things really quickly, of course, at the top are following Jesus. We want that for every person that has ever walked to the face of this earth Mm -hmm. to follow Jesus. It starts with that initial commitment, making that decision that you're going to model your life after following him. But then of course, it's a daily hour by hour walk with following Jesus. And we want to teach people how to do that. We want them to live that out. The second is that we want people to spend time with God because following Jesus is one thing. uh, And then closely related to that is this time that we have in our own personal lives where we're communing with God. We're having a conversation with him. That's through reading the word, through prayer, Um, through even conversations or attending church, whatever that is, however you spend time with God, we want people to live that out on a daily basis. Then, of course, we want people to connect in community. Um, I know you've been a part of many small groups. That's one way that you experience community. It's the the way that we teach this value and and encourage this value at Eagle Brook Church. There's lots of ways to experience Christ-centered community, but we really um, encourage people to join a small group at our church. Fourth is to serve others. Um, at the core of this, uh, what it means to follow Jesus is, of course, to become a servant like he was a servant for so many of us. And we want people to learn how to serve and give of their time. And um, we encourage that specifically by volunteering within our church and volunteering with some of our partners within the community. And the, the fifth and final value is to live generously. Um, God is a generous God, and we want to model our own lives after that generosity. And so there's many ways that you can give generously. Um, specifically, we often talk about giving of your finances, the treasure that that Jesus talks about, and your heart follows where your treasure goes, and we want people to learn how to live generously. And so again, those are the five values that we want for every person who walks the face of this earth. But when they come into our church, those are the five values that they're going to hear about the most. Yeah, just think about that picture of the early church. How cool that they gathered like that, and it's they spent time studying God's word, you know, that they were meeting together regularly, that they were serving each other, that they were generous, generous even to the point that they were selling their possessions mm. and giving the money to other people. Uh, I don't think I've ever done that. Like that's high level serving. I'm going to go sell that and then I'm going to give you the money or somebody the money. Like maybe I have some extra that I'll give or I'll tithe in a way, but I, I, to sell something and then give it away is radical generosity. And so no wonder, this is the best part about Acts 2, is that it says the Lord added to their number daily. And the reason 
that people were at to do it daily is because the church was so compelling. There was such this great community that was happening that people were like, I, I want to be a part of that. And I think that's really what we desire for our church and really for all the individuals that are a part of our church. Uh, you know, one of the church words is discipleship. When we disciple people, we want them to have those five values in their life. And when we see that acting in their lives, that's that's what we're wanting people to become like. That's who we want them to become. Yeah, people are attracted to that kind of living. Maybe God wants you to sell your fat bike. Oh, no. Would you do that? I could winter- yeah, Okay. <laughs> okay <laughs> you so we- could sell yours because yes, you never right, use it. Right. I have sold it. <laughs> oh, good. All right, we've talked about the bottom two tiers of our pyramid, our beliefs and our values. What's next? What's the third tier? Yeah, the next tier is uh, about our purpose. And that's really answering the question, why do we do what we do? This is an important question. And uh, we used to even start a class around vision culture with asking people just, why does the church exist? And it would always be interesting to hear all the different reasons when people just think they have a blank piece of paper. Why does the church exist? Some people would say to, you know, feed them the Bible or theology or to connect with others or to connect in the community or make a difference. Feed the poor. Mm -hmm. These are all reasons and they're all great reasons for why the church can and should exist. However, we would just boil it down to one word, relationship. I mean, it's, it's all about relationship is that we believe that God loves every person, and we believe that people should love each other. And so we want people to be in relationship with God and in relationship with others. So to love God and love others is really why we do what we do, is we want everybody to have that kind of relationship uh, with God and with others. And that's really what drives us. Well, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's- He boiled down these 600 commands yeah. that were uh, available for the Jewish people at the time and said, this is what's most important. That's right. This is why you exist. Yep. Love God, love people. It all comes down to it. It's essentially this love mission that our church is a part of. It sounds a little cheesy, but it's true. It I is. mean, is that we want to love people because we believe God loved them each unconditionally and ultimately in the beginning. So that answers the why- why do we do what we do? Why do we exist? Let's talk about the fourth tier then. Yeah, it's the next tier. What do we do? What are we doing? And what are what we are doing is we believe we are empowered by God to reach others for Christ. And so now what we're trying to do is reach people. And why we're trying to do that is because uh, God loves people. And so maybe a story would help with that uh, if you want to get into a story about why and what? Because I think sometimes people get caught into the semantics about this a little bit, as I can. And I was even a little bit confused at times about what's the difference between the why and the what? Are we just uh, involved in a language exercise? But it's not. It's really deeper than that. So uh, here's a story. Okay. Let's have story time. Uh, January 18th, 1998 is the day. How's that? And I was dating this girl named Kathy and told her that I wanted to have an all-day excursion with her, save the date kind of thing. She was willing to comply. And uh, we had been hanging out for a couple of years at this point. And so I said, grab a duffel bag, fill the duffel bag with all sorts of things. Most of these were decoys, you know, different things like a tennis racket, a uh, swimsuit or ice skates and... Uh, just different clothes, different uh, things to bring, random things, most of this to throw her off. And so this was in January. So we started the day by going cross-country skiing. To this day, it's been the only time I've ever gone cross-country skiing. It looks a lot easier than it is, if you didn't know (laughs) that. It's really hard. 
So we went cross-country skiing. And then later that evening, we went to the monster truck race at the Metrodome, Dome, Dome. I mean, incredible experience where we had these premier seats behind the, the starting line, of course, where you got all the exhaust and mud kicking up. This perfect, a little loud, but perfect. We left from there. We went to a fancy dinner, which is what everybody does after a monster truck race. And so we had this fancy dinner. And uh, while we were at the fancy dinner, we had these friends setting up another location that we were going to go to. As we we're driving home, I said, did you want to use the ice skates? Those are one of the things I told her to put in the bag. And she's like, well, it's kind of getting late and I actually have to go to work tomorrow. I'm like, no, trust me, we need to go ice skating. And I just drove the car a bit abruptly to the Shoreview ice rink. We pulled up into the parking lot, which had all the lights off. All the lights in the building were off. And she's like, what are we doing? I said, just trust me on this one. I go running up to the door, peek in there. And then I give her the motion to come on up. And so she's like looking at me like I'm nuts, but she walks up there. We open the door on comes a spotlight right on her face. A video camera is right in front of her. And she's like, what is happening? I mean, she was beside herself. We walk forward. We walk onto the ice rink. There's a red carpet that goes to center ice. Along the red carpet were balloons all held down by White Castle burgers, of course. Oh, my gosh. And so we go all the way to center ice. There's a chair that's sitting there, a wingback chair with a rose on it. She sits down on the chair. And in front of the chair is a pillow that my mom made that said, Kathy plus Don, and in the, in the shape of a hockey puck. So I, I, I kneel down on the pillow, and I read her this poem that I had been carrying in my pocket all day long. And it's this kind of poem about where we've been and what we've done, kind of this Dr. Seuss thing, because I don't know anything about poetry. So I read this poem, and then the final line was, here's a whistle, give it a blow, and then sit back and watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, she's crying so much, she can't even blow the whistle. Oh, my No goodness. lie. And so she actually has to take another breath. She takes a second blow at the whistle, and then out comes the Zamboni. And the Zamboni comes out, and on the side of the Zamboni is this banner that says, Kathy Nelson, will you marry me? And on the back of the Zamboni was the guy that would eventually be the best man. He's got the ring on top of a hockey puck. He comes uh, shuffling up to me, and then I invite her into a lifelong journey of adventure and potentially torture of living with me. She says yes. And then here's the best part of the whole day is we went on the back of the Zamboni and had this victory. <laughs> Doesn't everybody want to dig a ride? I'm not sure if that's the, the best part oh, of the day. That's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted to be on a Zamboni. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, no, so now just let's unpack that story a little bit. Like, why would I do such an elaborate day and experience? I mean, it's because of my ridiculous love for, for Kathy, which continues on to this day over 20 years later. So that's why I did it. What did I do? I invited her into this lifetime journey together. And so similarly, that's, I think, what we're trying to do within our vision culture. Why do we do what we do as a church? It's because God loves people and we love people. And then what are we trying to do? We're trying to extend an invitation to a life change with Christ. That's so good. I'm not sure if I was supposed to be teary-eyed or emotional or to question why Kathy said yes or to just puke a little. I'm not sure. Well, if you do that but much, I, <laughs> if you do that much, she can't say no. But I get the I get the story <laughs> and how it relates to the mission because I, I really, as I've grown in my relationship with Christ, as I study God's word, that is his heart for people. It's his heart for me. I have to understand his heart for me right. first before I can really understand how much he loves other people. And he does love people so much. 
that he wants them desperately to be in a relationship with him, to see their lives transform because of his love for them. And that's what we get to be a part of. I know. And so we've talked about those bottom four tiers. Again, beliefs, values, purpose, mission. And then you'll see on our vision culture pyramid, we put a dotted line across uh, the top of those four tiers at the bottom. Why? Because those are unchanging. Right. People can find stability in that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to change the core identity of who we are. So when we invite a volunteer or an attender or someone on staff to come on board and be a part of what God's doing here, we can say to them, this is who we've been mm-hmm. and this is who we're going to be. Right. There's some real stability in that. Yeah, and I think that's important uh, to to make that separation. These things don't change. These things do change. And so let's get after strategies okay, and, the next and goals. Two, yeah. These are the next two. Maybe talk about what those, and again, these might change. Yep. So maybe just what are the principles behind strategies and goals that help steer us yeah. as we get into them? So the next tier is our, our strategies, the fifth the fifth tier there. And you know, just as I said that, that our core identity is not going to change. One of the things we do often around here is we adjust strategies. We often tell people, you know, buckle up mm-hmm. because things are going to change. This is... Um, how we're actually going to accomplish those things that God has put on our heart. For example, we have all kinds of strategies. We have strategies around why we have cafes in our permanent facilities. Well, and our mobile. We find a way to put a cafe in our mobile um, facilities. We have a cafe that feels a lot like Caribou, which is a Midwest you know coffee shop that people, or Starbucks. We have a kid space that is creatively decorated. I mean, we have some world-class kids environments. We want them to feel like we have invested a lot of thoughtfulness into making this a place that your kids love to come. Um, We have environments that just make people feel comfortable. Often people say, I just feel right at home. I feel comfortable. We play rock music. That's a strategy. Mm -hmm. Now, 10 years from now, we might be playing electronic dance music. I mean, no, no, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) But these are current strategies. So we hold loosely to those strategies, which by the way, every decision that we make around a a strategy here, we use something called the hedgehog, which comes straight from Jim Collins Mm -hmm. in a book that has greatly influenced our culture called Good to Great. It's been around for a long time. But he talks about this principle of the hedgehog. And if you can think of three concentric circles or three circles that look like the Olympic rings, I'm not sure if concentric is the right word. I have no idea actually. it's really not. Yeah. It's a Venn. I think it's a Venn diagram. (laughs) If you can think of a Venn diagram, (laughs) three circles, the three questions that he asked people to um, ask themselves to make strategic decisions. The first is, what are you best at? Mm -hmm. And for us, we want to be relevant. We want to be applicable to people's lives. What are you most passionate about? We're passionate about transformation. And the third question he asks is, what's success? How would you define success? And for us, it's when people become owners of this mission. And if you picture that Venn diagram right at the center of those three questions is the answer for our strategic decision. So anytime we make a decision about a strategy, we ask, what are you best at? Is it going to be relevant to people in the world? What are you most passionate about? Is it going to lead to transformation? And what success is going to lead to ownership? So those are strategies. And again, strategies change all the time, mm-hmm. but that's why they're the fifth tier of our pyramid. Yeah, that's well said. I think, uh, I mean, just like you said, those things are changing because one of the ways I've thought about strategies, let's just talk about music, is what are people listening to when they drive by? You know, if we were to climb in the cars of people driving by this building right now, what kind of music are they listening to? And uh, we should match that. 
So they're not listening to handbells. They're not listening to choir music that are driving by these roads. Maybe they are somewhere else. And if they are, then that's the kind of music you should play. But we're really matching the kind of music that I think most people are listening to going by. So we want to match the culture uh, in a way that people feel disarmed when they come in and therefore they can hear what God wants to say to them. Right. So moving on to the sixth tier, I mean, obviously at some point, strategies have to be evaluated. We do a lot of evaluation on here. Someday we'll do an episode on feedback and evaluation. How do you measure success? But you have to ask, are those strategies actually working? Is it working? Which leads to the sixth tier. Well, the the last tier is about goals. And sometimes this makes people a little nervous in the church uh, because we do set a number and then we track it and we hold people accountable to it. Now, honestly, I've never known anybody to lose a job for not making a goal. So it's not that stringent, but it does set a trend. If you say you're going to do this a hundred times and you don't do it at all, like, wait a second, is that goal really important? So these goals matter to us. They steer our behaviors. uh, And we'd really say, this is where we're going and when we're going to get there. So it's answering those questions. Where are you going? When are you going to get there? And so we set them around our values. That's really what's helped us to steer our goals. And so we set different numbers around these every year, like you're talking about. So in the center of our our current scoreboard that we talk about is how many people are following Jesus. And I think that's probably the most important goal for us, we would say, is what's in the middle. We want to reach as many people for Christ as possible. Not so that we can be a big church, but we believe that's a a, a large world that's very lost and getting darker by the day. And so the more people we can reach for Christ is what we believe we've been called to do, which is back to our mission. So that's at the center of the bullseye. And then around kind of that bullseye, we have uh, these five other metrics around, uh, and we have a number for each one of those values. So we have spending time with God, connecting community, which is how many people get into small groups, serving, how many people are serving. We have a different metric about uh, generosity. And then we also do have a metric around attendance. And then here's a change that I think we've recently had on that scoreboard is it, I think, honestly, there's been times where we've had attendance in the middle. And I think we've decided it's not all about attendance. It's about reaching people for Christ. Absolutely. Now, attendance is on the board, but it's so that we can reach more people for Christ. And I think we want to make sure that we have that reaching people for Christ in the center of that, and then different metrics that help us to do just that. That's significant. That was a significant change that we made in the last couple of years to put the most important goal at the center of the bullseye. And it's really driven a lot of our strategic decisions because it's in the center these last couple of years. That has been monumental. I think so. Yeah, it feels kind of different. It's just a diagram. Yep. But really, it does steer the core of who we are. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to reach people for Christ. So to recap, we've talked about these six tiers. And again, you can find this on our show notes, but beliefs— who we are, values, who we want to become, purpose, why we exist, love God, love people, our mission, what we actually do, our strategies, how we're going to accomplish it, and those goals, what are we actually striving for? Well, like we talked about in the beginning, I do think having this in place is critical for us. And even staff members that are newer on staff just are so appreciative to have this kind of language where we're all singing the same song you know, creating that kind of alignment and having clarity of that's exactly what you're trying to do. And then it helps people, again, select in or, or select out. But, but maybe one side note in all this, if I could, on a personal note, is I believe the stuff down to my toes. I mean, maybe even too much. Uh, because 
if you think about it now, let's just take off the pastoral hat for a second. Let's take off the leadership hat for a second and put on our parental hat. I have a, a son who is going to college and on his senior year, I decided that I was going to write him a letter pretty much every week. That was the commitment. It didn't work out every week, but pretty close to every week. And so for a year, I wrote him a letter almost every week. What did I write him about? The vision culture. <laughs> I mean, because don't you want your kid to know what they believe? You know, even what they die for, defend, discuss. Yes, you want them to know what they believe. Do you want them to have values in their life? Stated values. And we have stated values in our family that we talk about more than my kids want to talk about, honestly. So maybe we're a little nerdy in this. But do you want your 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 kid to know their purpose? Do you want them to know what they're on this planet to do and their mission? And do you want them to have some strategies to do that? Which when we talked it through, we talked about different uh, gifts and strategies and uh, different gifts and passions and interests that my son had through this. And then, well, let's set a few goals to do that. And if you think about that, it applies to our lives too, that we can have this kind of personal application of it. And I just think it's, I believe in this tool that much. And if other churches could steal it, just steal it. Take it. I mean, maybe change it if you want to, but you don't even need to change it. Or other organizations. I mean, I think employees, I think even kids, you know, are looking for this kind of direction. And if you can provide this, it's just so helpful to create clarity and alignment. Around those six questions. Who, yes. what, where, when, why, how. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So final question for you. Once you've created this, this vision culture, answering those six questions, how do you ingrain them into your culture? Yeah, I love that question because this is kind of the hinge point. Because I do think, again, people work out, work really hard. And, and a lot of organizations have a statement somewhere, and maybe even some have a robust statement like this. But then it just still ends up in a binder somewhere. And so we talk about this so much. We even sometimes call ourselves chief reminding officers, which I think is a great phrase. Uh, but you think about it. If you become a volunteer, I'm hoping that you're going to learn about vision culture. If you become a director, I really hope you've learned about vision culture. We have this thing called Leadership X, where we're training some of our best leaders at campuses on knowing the vision culture. And then if you're going to come on staff, you're expected to listen to a podcast like this about vision culture before you come on staff. If you come on staff the first day, in the first 90 minutes, you get a version of vision culture. And then in the first 60 days, you get a three-hour vision culture talk. And then it should be talked about at your campuses and at staff meetings. And now you're being expected to teach it to others. And so... Just the repetition of it is what helps get into the culture. And even if I could get a little more detailed, having it written, we have a Prezi with it. We have a PowerPoint with it. We have a handout with it, all those tools. And then we're just barely getting to a point where it's in our culture. I'd say we're still not there. It's not even as ingrained in our culture as you and I would want it to be. Uh, But we sure work at it really hard. We do. Yeah. You know, At the end of the day, every church, business, organization, person needs vision and focus. That's a universal truth. Everyone wants to know who they are, why they're doing it, what exactly they're trying to do, how, where, and when they're going to get there. Everyone needs that. So wherever you're at, whether it's for you personally, in your family, for the organization that you're a part of, for the church, 
Maybe it's here at Eagle Brook Church and you just need a reminder or a refresher of why we do what we do. Um, We hope that you'll take some time to review or start by answering those questions. Absolutely critical because every person needs a vision and focus. So we're going to sign off here. Okay. And we'd love for you to subscribe. And again, anything that we mentioned will be in our show notes. But thank you truly for joining us. Mm -hmm. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. Mm -hmm.